Welcome back again to the next podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin with you as we continue to look at John chapter 6. Gavin, I'm going to read those same verses, verses 22 through 27, and uh, I'll do that after you open us in prayer. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we um, long to have an encounter with you, that we would um, anticipate any opportunity that we have to experience your work in our lives and your love in our hearts and and the opportunities that you give us to share that with the people around us. May we be um, anticipatory in in our lives, longing to do the things that you've called us to do and, and like I said, experience um, you and love you. Uh, Thank you for your word, uh, which puts you on display. Uh, May it take deep roots in our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Again, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. And on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone, verse 23, however, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, They also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And uh, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. All right, so we were talking about when uh, we are no longer, when do we get to a point when we're no longer astonished by the miracles? Uh, we, we talked about that, and, you know, the people here are taking their shoes off. They're counting their fingers and toes. They're coming up with just one boat. How did you get here? And uh, that's kind of where we left off. Uh, all right, so let's start with 23. Yeah, other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten. So um, <clears throat> there are no boats there before, or there's one boat. The disciples get in that boat, but Jesus was not with them. So where's Jesus? Um, I, I, and again, you're going to get from the, the, the what we read in later on in the account that they were longing to get back to that miracle worker. Yeah. I don't think it was specifically Jesus. It, Jesus is the miracle worker, but I don't think that they cared that, I mean, he's going to say that. You, you didn't seek me. You sought the bread that I provided. You sought the miracles that I could do for you. You sought the earthly benefit. You didn't seek me, the eternal benefit, the the one that you need to long for and know in order to experience eternal life with me. So, but they they longed for him when he wasn't there. They wanted to find him and seek him. So they have this kind of they're working through the math. We talked about that, and now these boats come near. Um, I I don't know if this is a good application, but it reminds me of that that really tacky illustration or the overused illustration at least about, you know, the man that's in a flood and the flood waters are rising and, you know, a boat comes near a helicopter, you know, a man comes by and says, Hey, come with me. A boat comes by and says, get in the boat. A helicopter comes by. And at the end of it, when the water's consuming him, he says, Hey God, um, you know, I, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent the man, the boat and the, and the helicopter to save you. And you, you took none of them. These guys are the exact opposite, man. They're looking for an opportunity to chase after Christ, even for wrong motives. Right for wrong goals, the the telos is all sorts of wonky. They they want the bread, not the bread, right? But do, but but do we look for that? I, I I've heard an account of a man that would walk into a room and say, you know, okay, God, what are you doing in this room? Where are you at work? Just pray, God, 
and you know, God is doing a million things of five of which we may know about as one pastor once said, but looking to participate in the work of God and, you know, experience, experience God in that room to be very aware that of the ubiquity of God and his work in, in that situation. These, these people are, are like that for the wrong reasons. Why are we not more like that for the, for the right reasons? Well, I was just sitting here when you said that I, I had not heard the question before or the, you know, the, the account of the guy that walked into a room and asked God where he's at work in that room. I was just kind of thinking through that and what that would look like. And, um, you know, I said, uh, I said Sunday that, uh, we need to get to a place to where, uh, our yes is already out there. So whatever, whatever, wherever, whenever the answer is yes. You know, when God says go, I go, I'm ready to say Go, you know, let's go, let's do this. And, and that's kind of what you're describing is the guy walks in and says, Lord, wherever you are, I, I want to be there. Right. So, so again, the reason I, I jumped all around is it, it, like a even cat the on idea behind that. Roof. I'm sorry. Like a cat on a hot tin roof. Right. There you go. But, um, didn't we do two Marlon Brando references, right? Uh, so yesterday was the Godfather Yeah. and cat on a hot tin roof. It's just another service I provide. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. So, um, uh, you were saying, oh, so where, where God is everywhere, yes. right? The omnipresence of God. It's it's not like you're going to go over in a corner of a room and go, oh, now here you are. So that's one of the cautions that I have. And the other thing is you've already been given a mission. Go and make disciples. Right. Labor for people's progress and join the faith. You know, I mean, th- those are missions that, that we've already been given. Paul, Philippians 1, um, Matthew 28. We have been given the mission. Look for opportunities. But these people already had the goal in mind, which was to get and find Jesus, and there's an opportunity that came up. I just think we should be more chomping at the bit to to fulfill that mission and, and the call of God on our lives to walk in those work that he works that he has prepared beforehand. Right? Does that make sense? It does. Okay. I I just love this idea of, of seeking and chomping at the bit. As soon as these boats comes near, they come near, they come near the shore. Hey, let's hop on these boats and go find Jesus. And All right. they did, and they did. All right, so what's the next verse? They were hungry again. Wow. Yeah. Their God is their belly. Yeah. They glory in their shame. Anyway, their Jesus. end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. That's what happens. And, and I'm not, I don't, you cannot specifically say that about this group of people, but you can say that's the warning Paul gives about people whose God is their belly. You know, where, where you're not seeking Christ, you're, you're seeking food. You're not seeking Christ, you're seeking money. You're not seeking Christ, you're seeking provision. Right. You're not seeking the provider. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, that's an interesting little phrase that I, you kind of just jumped out. So, so what? I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm certainly, I, I don't, I don't even know exactly what that means. Does that mean because the because the disciples were not there, they they assumed that Jesus would not come back, so they couldn't wait because the disciples were gone too, and he would always come, you know, back to his the twelve. Um, or is it saying that they were such great ambassadors of Christ and had also seen miracles done by their hand? They were such great ambassadors that when those twelve had gone, um. There, there, there was no representative of Christ there. They had to go find Christ or these twelve or the representative, right? Yeah, and I, and I, I just think about that with you know w- when we say if you need prayer, certainly come and talk to me. Or there, there are several uh, deacons and and uh, in our church that would love to pray for you. And people, 
people often just seek you know the pastor, the, the the senior pastor or something like that. But they, but I think in our church for sure, the deacons I call them elders. They function as elders, and they they're called deacons. We do we, too. Yeah. Um, and, and I do want to move to a plurality of elders, but but our deacons are so um, wise. That's why they're qualified to be elders and elders. Uh, they're they're wise, thoughtful, prayerful men. People sh- should see them as ambassadors of Christ and be able to go directly to them as well. So what's interesting to me is what kind of jumped into my mind here was the expression "seeking Jesus." And it, what came to my mind was the passage that uh, I think it was Paul that said, uh, you know, always learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. That, that I think, really encapsulates what's going on here. They're seeking Jesus. They're just not seeking truth. Uh, or they're seeking the wrong truth, their version of truth, which in this case happens to be, hey, I'm hungry. And so, you know, let's go to uh, Burger King. All right. So I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be a language scholar. So I'm going to read about the Greek zeteo. Um, it means to seek literally or figuratively, specifically by Hebraism, to worship. That's, that's pretty neat. There's something about, the, the, uh, about Jesus that's compelling the, them to seek him. All right. Even if their motives are off. Right. They don't have the new heart. Yeah, and that's... And they walk away. Yeah, yeah. They're ultimately going to walk away. Well, and the, and the reason why they walk away is because their motives, their motivation was off. You know, it's very similar to the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. His motivations right. were wrong. Right. And when Jesus gave him what his motivations needed to be, it wasn't the answer he was looking for. And I've said this so many times, if there's one thing um, that, that I, I see as the big difference right now, the, the main difference between really good churches and churches that are... Um, uh, I don't, this is a horrible way of wording it, passable, is that one truly and squarely set your eyes on things above. And the other, though using scripture and, and you know, the congregation expresses a love of Christ, it really is a self-help service. It's keeping your eyes on the world and how God can fix things going on around you now and your best life now, which I would warn you against. That's not passable. Your best life now is awful. That that type of thinking is awful. If it's God is a, a cosmic bellhop that you ring a bell to and he fixes everything going on in your life right now, you should stand back, look at God and go, wow, I want that. And your life is pursuing that, pursuing the relationship with God to know him better, uh, to love him more fully, to pursue that because he's worthy and the second part of that is, and so love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's the most loving thing you can do for your neighbor? Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Give I them God. I can't believe that you would talk about Joel that way, because I know that that he is your favorite. It's Joel. <laughs> your boy in Texas. <laughs> I know. You got I know who on, you're talking about. You got him I know who you're dial. talking about. All right. He's not my some, boy. He's got some money and a wall in his bathroom for you. Not anymore. They got that. They found they the six hundred thousand. They, they found. They oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. All he's, right. So he, let's... he's got hiding places that you don't know about. You know about them? Uh, I've heard about them. So <laughs> all right. So um, verse twenty six. Jesus answered them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me." Do you, you don't want to. You don't want to touch on twenty five at all. Sure. Go ahead. Um, when did you come here? Yeah. That's an odd way of starting a conversation, especially as as thoughtful and deliberate as they have been. 
I don't, I don't know that I can add to it because I think it would be speculative, but that is a really odd way of wording that rabbi teacher. What, you know, when did you come here? And they found him on the other side of the, when they found him on the other side of the sea. When did, so is that a, how in the world did you get over here with only one boat and you weren't in it? Did you walk that fast? Did you, I mean, or, or is it, you know, kind of, uh, we weren't really looking for anything. We don't really need to, f- weren't seeking you. How, how did you get over here? Is this just a kind of a, um, I don't know, uh, making themselves seem like they weren't needy. They weren't, um, greedy, needy and greedy. Oh, we're just, uh, over here. You, by the way, do you happen to have any bread? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I think it would be speculative. It's just an, I, I believe every jot and tittle is intentional. So the uninspired Star Trek edition uh, here would say, uh, Jesus said, well, Scotty beam me up. Yeah. Just beam me over. Well, Jesus wouldn't say that. Yeah. That, that, that would be sacrilege. Right. But, but is that what they, you know, cross their mind? Yeah. Okay. All right. Again, all speculative. 26. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs. The signs were? The signs? The signs of the bread? Signs of the bread. And the, and the fact that he was there. Yeah. You know. Walking on water. You saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled, so, so obviously the sign really was more the, 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 about the bread than the fact that he was there. Do not labor for the food which perishes. That brings me to the Exodus account the manna that perishes, that they didn't have to labor for. Do not labor for the but it's, food it's which perishes. But it's more than that, yes, it yes. Is. But it's more than that. It's it's the food, all food uh, right. goes into your belly and is expelled. It's wasted. Yeah. But for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. It's, it's, it's a reordering of your priorities. Yep. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but, but on every, every word. word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right. And, and, and how many of us, you know, I, I think most people probably, I don't know. Do you think most people fast anymore? I would say probably not. Okay. I don't do a very good job of that. Okay. So one of the things that, that fasting communicates, uh, to yourself, because you're not supposed to be doing it where everybody sees how, you know, rough you look and how painful it is. And, but, and I, and I, I have fasted both where it is an absolute non-spiritual thing and all you, you walk through the day and you're just hungry and I fasted in a way that's profoundly spiritual. But one of the things is why don't I long for God like I long for a pizza? Food is good. Food is necessary. You're not going to live if you don't eat. Why do I not long for God's word like I do for uh, cereal in the morning? Why, why do, you know... How many times do people get around a table and share a meal and laugh and enjoy it and and thank God for it and it's good? A lot. How many times do people get around the word and laugh and enjoy it? I don't laugh, laugh is not a bad thing or a good thing, but just enjoy it to its fullest and and make that a I think the one should point to the other. And that's what Jesus is saying. The food that you ate should have pointed you to me, but you missed the point. You missed the point. I think joy is a beautiful gift from God. I think things to enjoy, be enjoyed are gifts from God. I think we should go to the beach and just let our let our toes feel the sand if you enjoy that, if you enjoy that. And 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 listen to the sound of the ocean and and you know hold hands with your loved ones, your family and just look out at a beautiful sunset. I think you should soak it all in and say God is better. Those the, the gift of the bread was to point them to Jesus. It pointed them to themselves. 
I think the gift of a good sunset and the gift of a, the, the wind blowing through the trees, the gift of marriage, the gift of food, all should point us to God. Yeah. And yet it finds its end in itself. And that's the greatest, if, if you're not careful, that's the best joy you'll have. Right. And I don't, and I mean that as the lesser joy. That's, that's not the joy that you, that is uh, absolutely fulfilling. God himself is. You should enjoy those things as a gift uh, representing the glory of God. Those things represent the glory of God. They are testifying to the glory of God. Amen. And that's where you, you find, uh, that's where you should be looking to glorify God uh, because those things are glorifying God. So, so the glory of God, and and we sh- can take some time to explain that, but it, it also it may be helpful for people to understand the glory of God. Absolutely, the goodness of God, um, and the enjoyable nature of God. That you should enjoy Him. There are some people that have said to me, I've heard it personally said to me that I to go to heaven and sit around a throne for all eternity. That doesn't sound very exciting. And I'm saying you don't understand. You, I don't know what heaven will look like. I don't know if there will be golf in heaven or baseball in heaven or anything like that. I just know this. To sit around the throne and enjoy God is better than any pleasure you've ever experienced in your life. And it is, it is, um, it is not a pleasure that will have moments of boredom ever. Not a second. Not a microsecond. So do that now. Use the things in your life now to enjoy God. Use them prov- to provoke you, the, the enjoyable things in your life to provoke you to enjoy God. And we're at our time again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, listener, for joining us. Thank you, Gavin, for uh, walking us through some of these things. And, listener, we will catch up again with you tomorrow. Until then, you rule. No, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. (laughs) Be blessed. I heard that.